All right, y'all. What is happening? This is your man, L. Jamal, coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got them facts. Tonight is going to be the Monday special. Of course, I'll be going over some NFL news, and I got the scores from over the weekend, as well as tonight's Monday night football game versus the Bengals uh, with the Bengals and uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So we'll be going over that. I also got some college football to go over as well. I'll be giving you guys the top 25 ranking for this week and then finally we will be wrapping everything up with some baseball talk of course the season just ended yesterday so i'll be going over the final scores of the regular season in baseball and then i'll be also previewing the wild card round with the a's and the rays and also the uh the Brewers and the Nationals. But let's get right into it, of course, with some NFL news. And we're going to start with the first cut of the regular season, and it's going to start off in Arizona. The Cardinals have decided to release their safety, DJ Swearinger, after just four games. Uh, this is the fourth time in seven seasons he has found himself being cut from a squad, and actually the second time in just nine months. Uh, up to week four, he has had just 29 tackles on the year, which isn't too bad, but he's also given up three uh, passing touchdowns on that back end. So again, not a not a really great look for him through the first four weeks, basically a touchdown a game. Uh, but a little bit more background on him. He was claimed off waivers from uh, for Arizona uh, after being cut by the Redskins last December, uh, basically for negative comments uh, referring to the, the Redskins defensive coordinator at the time. So he found himself in Arizona and it just looks like through four games it you know it hasn't worked out for him and uh, throughout his career he's kind of had this problem again just jumping from different teams not really getting you know really a foothold he's still rel relatively young uh, but he also uh, played for the Cardinals in 2017 uh, which led to him actually getting signed uh, by the Redskins he had his best season as a player in 2017 so he's been around I believe since two 2012 maybe 2013 and again he just hasn't found a great foothold in the league yet this might uh even with this recent cut this might even be uh maybe the tail end of his career depending on who's gonna give him a call through the course of the season and maybe uh even might even have to extend an off season uh but let's move on uh there is an addition to a team the titans went ahead and signed 38 year old safety mike adams mike has played for 16 seasons and has been a, and has been a full-time starter since 2014 last season he compiled 75 tackles, three interceptions, and also three tackles for loss. So again, they added a pretty decent player. Of course, he's still productive with the 75, 75 tackles and three interceptions, but he is on the older side. So uh, there you go. The Texans get some get some veteran help and they get a hitter. But there you go. Uh, moving on, we have one final story to go over here. Actually, a cup. Uh, yeah, one final news story to go over here. Uh, Vontez. Uh, Vontez Burfict, the linebacker for the Oakland Raiders, has been suspended for the rest of his for the rest of this season due to his helmet to helmet hit on Colts tight end Jack Doyle. The Raiders will go on to win that game, 31 to 24. The uh, suspension would include any playoff game the Raiders just so happen uh, would just so happen to get to if if they are that good. Now, from 2012 to 2018, he's already he had already served two three game suspensions. For 
for hits on Antonio Brown, which were held into helmet, and also Kansas City Chiefs fullback Anthony Sherman. And in 2018, he was served a four-game suspension for violating the league policy on PEDs. Basically, he was taking performance-enhancing drugs. He is a dirty player. Do not listen to what he or to hear Whitehead says. Um, again, he has a track record of, of hitting people foul. He has a track record of cheating and using PEDs. I, I don't know why we signed it to, for, you know, to be honest with you. A lot of people try to give him the benefit of the doubt because he is a hitter. He is hard. But again, there's there's so many players uh, at his position that use better technique, who hit better than him, and just actually get the job done. They can get more tackles because guess what? They're not off the field half the year because they didn't hit somebody the right way. They have great technique. People like Luke Keekley, a few uh, other linebackers out there. Oh, Khalil Mack, for example, the one that we let go that we could have had. Uh, I'm very mad at that, especially when we get somebody like Vontex Burphy who just doesn't get right. He's, he's the can't get right in linebacker. And I don't care what he says or to hear why he says, again, he's a dirty player and he purposely hits people in the head. You're not supposed to do that. That's not part of the game anymore. And he's not helping. Uh, so let's move on. We have an injury report to go over. And we're going to start off in Chicago with quarterback Mitch Trubisky. He uh, injured his arm in a loss last week to the Vikings. And he is doubtful for this game's, uh, this week's game in London versus the Raiders. So there you go. Uh, I like our chances in that game, even with Mitchell Trubisky. I think Chicago plays a great defense. I just don't think their offense is is, is too shaky for me. Uh, any team that can just put up at least twenty to twenty five points could beat the Brown. Uh, it could beat the Bears this season. That's all you ha- have to do to beat the Bears this season. I think the Raiders are capable of doing that. Let's move on. Uh, we have T.J. Hawkinson, a tight, the rookie tight end from the Lions. He suffered a concussion in last week's uh, game in the third quarter and he is questionable going into this week. We also got quarterback Josh Allens from the Bills who also suffered a concussion. He was hit by defensive back Jonathan Jones. He is also questionable. And finally, we have defensive end Bradley Chubb of the Broncos. He recently, uh, well, he suffered a partially torn ACL in the left knee, but he will miss the entire rest of the season. He didn't even know he had uh, anything wrong with his ACL until he had an MRI this morning. Uh, but the injury occurred with just 15 minutes left uh, sorry 14 minutes left in regulation in last week's game so tough break for the Broncos for a team that's already struggling defensively of course they didn't get the win last week they probably won't win again this week and uh look for them to probably go 0-5 uh but on a on a lighter note on a good note there were some records broken this weekend running back Frank Gore currently with the Buffalo Bills uh, he had a 41 40 a big 41 yard gain to go on to add on to his 109 yards in rushing in total, uh, which moved him to 50, actually past 15,000 yards, the 15,000 yard mark becoming just a four, uh, becoming the fourth leading rusher in NFL history. He is now sitting behind Emmitt Smith, who sits at 18,355 yards, Walter Payton, who is uh, at 16,726 yards, and also Barry Sanders, who's now at, who well, who is at 15,269 yards. He can actually pass Sanders at the end of the season, or maybe, or later on this season, just depending on 
uh, how he performed because he currently is at, uh, and this being Frank Gore now, he currently sits at 15,021 yards. So good luck on Frank Gore. Good luck to Frank Gore. Uh, hopefully he can uh, move his way up in some history uh, as well. We also got some history coming from Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, the Arizona wide receiver has moved the second all times in receptions behind Jerry Rice. He would have five catches for 41 yards and a loss last weekend uh, to the Seahawks, but he it brought his total to 1,326 yards against the passing tight end Tony Gonzalez. And uh, if you want to, if you'd like to know, Jerry Rice currently has 1,549 yards. I do not think Larry Fitzgerald beats that record unless he comes back next season. And with the way this season has been playing, and the way he was very critical about him not, well, the team not winning the, the this game, despite him getting his historical achievement. I don't think he might want to do that. Uh, he's been very down lately about the performance of his team and him not really being able to lead the team to victories like he used to. So I do not think uh, he he puts up with this too much longer. I think he's athletically still capable. Uh, he's very a very great receiver. I don't mean to you know be negative about him or put anything on him negatively, but I think for him, I think he might just want to walk away at some point in time. But let's move on to the scores from over the weekend. We got a lot of action to talk about, but let's get right through it. We got the Giants getting uh, getting the best of the Redskins here in some NFC act, NFC East action. 24-3 was the final score there. Up next, we have the Chiefs beating the Lions 34-30. This one was a little bit uh, closer than I believe anybody envisioned, including myself. The Chiefs move on, move on to four and zero, and the Lions are at two one. And of course, two and one. Of course, they have the tie. Let's talk about the stats in this one for the Chiefs. They were led offensively by quarterback Matt Mahomes, who went twenty four of forty two for three hundred and fifteen yards. He also had fifty four rushing yards as well. LaShawn McCoy, the running back, he will lead all Kansas City rushers with fifty six yards on the ground. He also will get a touchdown as well. For Travis Kelsey, he will lead all Kansas City receivers with seven catches. 85 yards. Wide receiver Sammy Watkins will provide three catches and 54 yards as well. On defense, the Chiefs were led by linebacker Damian Wilson, who had eight total tackles. Defensive tackle Derek uh, Nanadi, who had eight total tackles in a sack, and uh, safety Tyron, uh, sorry, safety Tyron Matthew, who had six total tackles in a sack. And as a team, the Chiefs were, for, were forced four total sacks. Uh, moving to the Lions on offense, they had quarterback Matthew Stafford, who had a pretty good game, uh, 21 to 34, with 291 yards. He also threw for three touchdowns. Running back Carryon Johnson would lead all running backs uh, with 125 rushing yards. Uh, wide receiver Matt Jones will lead Detroit receivers with three catches and 77 yards. Uh, wide receiver Kenny, uh, Kenny Galladay excuse me, but at five catches for 67 yards and two touchdowns. And the rookie TJ Hawkinson before the concussion would also get a receiving touchdown as well. On defense, the Lions were helped out by their safeties. Tracy, uh, Tracy Walker the third, excuse me, Tracy Walker the third, he had 12 total tackles and uh, Tavon Watson had 10 total tackles. Uh, we're going to move on uh, to to the Titans and the Falcons. Uh, the Titans will end up winning this game 24-10. The Falcons, uh, they are in a dumpster fire. I believe Dan Quinn gets fired. Um, 
at the end of the season. I don't think they do it mid-season, but I think dang, this is the if this is the end for Dan Quinn and the Titans. I don't know what to make of them yet. Um, good win though, good win. Moving on, we have the Browns storming uh, to get a good win here. We have the, a 40 to 25 victory here against the Ravens, an AFC North uh, divisional rival. Good win by the Browns. I'm still not completely sold on them, but good look to them. That's a good positive thing. 40 to 25 is the final score here. My favorite game of the day, of course, because it was my favorite team, the Raiders. They get it done 31 to 24 against the Colts. Uh, like I said, they both will, like I said, the Raiders get it done, and both teams are now at two and two. Let's break down the stats in this one. For the Raiders, they were led, of course, offensively by a quarterback, Derek Carr, who went 21 to 31 for 189 yards. He also had two touchdowns as well. Running back Josh Jacobs will lead all, uh, Raiders rushers with 79 yards on the ground. Running back Trevor, uh, sorry, wide receiver Trevor Davis would also have 74 yards and a touchdown. Tight end Darren Waller. Darren Waller, of course, uh, just keeps having a pretty damn good season. Uh, yes, or well, last, actually, yeah, yesterday, he would go on to have seven catches and 53 yards. And wide receiver Terrell Williams and the rookie tight end Foster Moreau would also add into the scoring fund with two, with actually receiving touchdowns for the both of them. On defense, the Raiders were led by safeties LaMarcus Joyner who had seven total tackles and also Eric Harris who would also have seven total tackles and an interception. They also got some work from Tahir, uh, Tahir Whitehead the linebacker who had eight total tackles. Uh, let's move on to the Colts. They were led they were led by quarterback Jacoby Brissett. He went 24-46, so not too bad from him. He also had 265 yards and, a, and three touchdowns, but he did throw the interception that would lead to the Raiders getting that win. Running back Marlon Mack would have 39 rushing yards. He also suffered a minor injury as well. His status is somewhat questionable for next week. Uh, wide receiver Zach Pascal had four catches for 72 yards, and uh, wide receiver Chester Rogers and, and tight end, excuse me, tight end. Eric Ebron, they both would have receiving touchdowns. On defense, the Colts had help from safety Kari Willis, who had nine total tackles, and also linebacker Anthony Walker Jr., who had 10 total tackles and a sack. Uh, let's move on. We got the Patriots beating the Bills 16-10. Tom Brady is looking older. It's coming. It is coming. It's, they're going to slow up. Somebody, one of these quarterbacks, we already see Ben Roethlisberger, he's out. Eli Manning, he's been benched. This generation of quarterbacks is slowly coming to an end. Um, Tom Brady looked very human yesterday. Let's move on. We got the Panthers beating the Texans. They've won two in a, two in a row without Cam. This time they beat the Texans 16-10. Up next, we have an AFC matchup with the, uh, the Chargers, excuse me, getting it done against the Dolphins 30-10. Up next, we have the Seahawks getting it done against the Cardinals, excuse me, 27-10. The Bears get an ugly win versus the Vikings 16-6. The Jags get an ugly, well, they earned the win against the Broncos. Goes 26 to 24, and we have the Saints here pulling out an upset win against the, the Cowboys 12 to 10. Here's another upset as well. We got the Buccaneers putting up 55 points on the Rams, the NFC champions of last season 55 to 40. Uh, the Bucks are now two and two, and the Rams are now three and one. Let's break down the stats in this one as well. For the Buccaneers, of course, James Winston will lead the way, going 28 of 41. He had 385 passing yards. He he also had four touchdowns and an interception, so much improved from week one. Uh, definitely, if he can keep this up, why not give him a comeback player of the year? Hey, 
He's mat- he's maturing, obviously. Running back Ronald Jones Jr. had 70 rushing yards. He also had a touchdown. Running back Peyton Barber also had a rushing touchdown as well. Wide receiver Chris Godwin would lead, would lead all receivers with 172 receiving yards. He also had uh, 12. Actually, yes, he also had 12 catches and two touchdowns. Uh, wide receiver Mike Evans would go on to have four catches and 89 yards as well as a touchdown. And tight end Cameron Braid also had a receiving touchdown as well. On defense. Defense, the Buccaneers got help from defensive back MJ Stewart. He had nine total tackles, and Le- uh, linebacker Levante David will go on to have seven total tackles and an interception. The Bucks, as a team, was would force three interceptions alone. Um, Moving on, the Rams, uh, of course, Jared Goff will lead the way for them going 45 to 68 for 517 yards. He had two touchdowns and three interceptions. Uh, Todd Gurley will have two rushing touchdowns, but not nothing really to speak of in terms of rushing yards. So, again, I didn't really see a whole lot of balance from the Rams again this week. It might come back to cost them in the uh, going deeper into the season. Wide receiver Robert Woods will catch 13 passes for 164 yards. And wide receiver Cooper Cup will go on to have nine catches for 121 yards and a touchdown. And tight end George Everett would have a receiving touchdown as well. On defense, the Rams were led by safety Eric Weddle, who had 15 total tackles, and also the OG linebacker Clay Matthews back in the old town, well, at least for the hometown team, he had five total tackles tackles and a sack uh for monday night football of course it was an easy well it was an easy win for a team that has had some ugly first three weeks of the season uh but the Steelers were able to get it done against the Bengals 27 to 3 again not much to speak of here in terms of what the Bengals were able to do but let's break down the stats real quick for the Steelers of course Mason Rudolph the quarterback in my opinion had somewhat of a breakout game going 24 28 for 229 yards he also threw two touchdown passes as well running back James Conner would have 42 yards on the ground but he also would catch eight passes for 83 yards and also a touchdown running back Jalen Samuel would have a rushing touchdown and wide receiver Deontay Johnson would have six catches 77 yards and also a touchdown on defense uh, the Steelers got work from the linebacker uh, Mark Barron he had 11 total tackles and an interception and uh, linebacker Devin Bush would have uh, nine total tackles and a sack and defensive end Cameron Hayward would go on to have six total tackles and two and a half sacks as a team the Steelers for seven and a half sacks so balling on defense pretty much ball in all offense pretty much an easy game for the Steelers for the Bengals like I said not much to say here uh, quarterback Andy Dalton of course he got the start going 21 to 37 he went for 171 yards he also threw an interception running back Joe Mixon led all Bengals rushers with 62 yards on the ground and wide receiver Alden Tate will go on to have four catches for 50 yards on defense the Bengals got help from Nick Vigil at the linebacker spot with 11 total tackles and also safety Sean Williams he had nine total tackles uh i'm gonna take a quick break and when we come back we're gonna be breaking down some college football i'll be talking about the top 25 rankings for this week all right y'all i'll be right back all right y'all i am back i'm gonna go over the top 25 in college football for this week uh, we are going into week six of the college football season. We are going to break down the top 25. We're going to start off at the bottom with 25. 
Texas A&M, they are 3-2 on the season. At number 24, we have SMU, a.k.a. Southern Methodist University out there in Dallas, Texas. They are 5-0 on the year. We also got number 23, Virginia, here at 4-1 after the loss to Notre Dame. At number 22, we have the 5-0 Wake Forest Demon Deacons. The last game was a win, 27-24 at Boston College. They average about 515 yards per game. They also average about 202 rushing yards per game. So very potent offense, very potent on the ground as well. They do give up about 21 points on the on the, uh, they do give up about 21 points defensively though. So games with them are a bit, are a bit close. Uh, again, they don't score a whole lot of points. So especially, like I said, with last week's game, it was a three-point spread. That's pretty much how their games have been going down this year. But again, they are 5-0. and oh. So good luck to the Wake Forest Demon Deacons again. A holding down a spot in the top 25 this week. Up to number 21, we have the Oklahoma State Cowboys here at 4-1. and one. Up next at number 20, we have the Arizona State Sun Devils at 4-1 and one after the big victory versus Cal in Berkeley. Up next, we have at number 19, Michigan at 3-1. and one. At number 18, we have UCF, a.k.a. Central Florida here at 3-1. and one. Up next at number 17, we have Utah at 4-1. and one. And at number 16, we have the team with the blue turf, Boise State. The Broncos are currently 4-0 on the year. Their last game was a 30-19 win versus the Air Force Academy. We're going to talk about some stats leaders here from this team. They are led by quarterback Hank Buchheimer, who has a 63.5% completion percentage. He's thrown for 1,190 yards this year for a six, and actually for six touchdowns and three interceptions. Uh, three interceptions, excuse me. Robert uh, Mahomes is the leading rusher for this team with 288 uh, rushing yards and also four touchdowns. That is Robert Mahomes, not Patrick Mahomes. I don't see any relations here. Uh, we also have wide receiver C.T. Thomas, who has 14 catches on the year, 283 yards, and also three touchdowns. Currently, the team's leading receiver. And on defense, you got linebacker Ezekiel Noah, who has 28 total tackles in a sack. Def- and defensive back uh, Kikalua Kanio, uh, who has 17 total tackles, two pass deflections, an interception, and a forced fumble. And on special teams, they are being led by place kicker Eric Sashis, who has a 87 and a half field goal percentage. He also has a 93.3 extra point percentage, uh, extra point percentage. He also has 35 points he added to that Boise State, Boise State team as well. So they're firing on all fronts. They are currently second in the Mountain West. At number 15, we have Washington at 4-1. Uh, we also have number 14, we have Iowa at 4-0. At number 13, we have the Oregon Ducks here at 3-1. At number 12, we have Penn State. The Mitten Lions are currently at 4-0. At number 11, we have Texas at 3-1. And at number 10, we have Florida. The last game was a win, 38-0 versus Towson. They only allow 8 points a game. I think about 8.8 points a game, which is good enough for 5th. And they only have, they only average about 284 yards a game defensively. So they don't give up a whole lot of yards. They don't give up any points. Uh, Florida Gators are looking to challenge uh, in the SEC East. I'm looking forward to that game versus Georgia. The world's largest cocktail cocktail party is what they call it. I don't know why. Go ask them. I don't go. I didn't go to those schools. 
At number eight, we have Wisconsin. They are 4-0. Uh, they are looking good this year. They had a recent victory versus North, uh, Northwestern in their Big Ten. Uh, I think that was a, it was their home. No, no, it wasn't even their home debut. Just had a good, really good Big Ten outing against uh, Northwestern last week. Let's move on to number seven where we have Auburn. Uh, we have uh, number f- uh, another undefeated team, uh, another undefeated team here, excuse me, at 5-0. and At number six, we have Oklahoma at 4-0. and And at number five, we have LSU. The Tigers are 4-0 and and uh, one of the top teams in the SEC right now. And at number four, we are just cracking the playoff spots here. Uh, we have Ohio State at 5-0. and The last game was an easy victory in the Big Ten versus Nebraska, 48-7 in uh, Lincoln. Very easy game. They only give up 8.6 points a game. So again, a very potent uh, defense. This offense can score really well, too. They average 52 points a game. So again, you can't stop them, and you and they can stop you. So that's all that matters. And they average about six touchdowns per game. So again, you're not stopping that offense. Too many, too, too many out. I will. I haven't seen them been stopped at all this year. But uh, I think last year Maryland was able to get them. We'll see if they. Oh, and our and already they blew out Maryland. So no, that's that's out. So again, yeah, nobody stopping Ohio State this year. At number three, we have Georgia at four zero. And at number two, we have Clemson at 5-0. And, oh. and we have a new number one this week. We have Alabama. They are 5-0. and oh. So uh, not too much has changed. The same players are within the top the top four in the terms of the playoff. Uh, the only thing that might have switched up is some of the placements. Georgia kind of took a bump. Uh, we also have Ohio State kind of st- actually taking a bump as well. Uh, LSU did take a, a step down. So did Oklahoma. Uh, and Clemson and Georgia kind of pretty much stay where they've been at. Uh, but I'm going to take one last quick break, and when we come back, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be going over uh, some baseball. So I'll be going over the news, the scores uh, from the final day of the regular season, which was yesterday, and then also, like I said, I'll be previewing uh, the ML, well, sorry, the wild card matchups in the NL and also the AL, aka the American League as well. So I will be right back. All right, y'all, I am back, and I'm going to wrap this up for today. Like I said, I'll be talking some MLB action. I'm going to start off with some news, though, from around the league. Uh, we're going to start off with the Cubs, and they decided to not bring back Joe Madden as their manager for next season. No, he has no relation to John Madden and the Raiders. No, he's a different person. His name is spelled M-A-D-D-O-N, not like John, M-A-D-D-E-N. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Two completely different people. Don't get it confused. Uh, he did lead the Cubs, uh, Joe Madden, that is. He did lead the Cubs to four 90-win seasons, also four playoff appearances, and a World Series title in 2016, which was a team's first in about 80 years, my, uh, 80 years, I think. And then also, uh, which is which is confusing for me because, again, I don't know why they would just jump, uh, dump him after one or two, uh, not even necessarily lo- losing season. This season... Uh, they ended. They did not end up with a losing record, although they did end up outside the playoffs. So again, they did have some injuries that kind of worked in their against their favor. On top of that, so again, I'm not a hundred percent sure why they let a guy like this go. Uh, he also had some p- pretty deep playoff runs uh, in the mid 2000s with Tampa Bay. Uh, he would go on to be a three-time manager of the year as well, twice in Tampa Bay. He also will win the 2015 Manager of the Year award 
with the Chicago Cubs. So again, I'm a little bit confused as to why uh, they decided to let him go relatively early in his tenure. Uh, he also won a World Series title in 2002 uh, with the Angels, and he has an overall record uh, consisting of over a, a thousand wins. So again, um, I'm not too sure why they let this guy go. I guess you know they figured they can get a start on a new on a new build right away. Uh, but again. I, I mean, again, if it's not necessarily broke, I would say tweak it. You know, you don't have to fix it per se, but, you know, why not tweak it? Why not tweak the roster around him? I don't think it was necessarily – I don't think the the pitfalls that the Cubs had, you can necessarily blame on him. That's just my opinion. But a few teams that are interested in his services are going to be the Colorado Rockies, the Angels out there in Anaheim, his former team, and also the Padres out there in the NL West. So he is definitely going to be garnering some interest over the course of the offseason. And do not be surprised when he comes into this, this next season with a job. Uh, let's move on. We're going to say goodbye to another longtime manager. This time it will be Bruce Bochy. He said goodbye to the Giants yesterday after 12 seasons as their manager from 2007 to 2019. Of course, we know him as a three-time World Series champ in those even years. Again, <clears throat> I'm not a big, huge Giants fan, but they seem to love him a lot. They seem to have a, love, a lot of love for him as well. And for those of you who may not know, he also won Manager of the Year uh, as well back in 1996. I believe he was uh, the manager of the Padres back then. So, again, uh, he has some very, very uh, deep roots in baseball. I believe he played for the Padres at one time as well. Uh, Might have played for the Giants, too. I, gotta, I can't remember all that right now. Uh, but definitely a great manager. Again, it's a winner. That's all that matters. And he's also the 11th manager to win in two th win 2,000 games. And those 2,000 games would end up coming in San Francisco as well. Uh, so again, a, a very good. Actually, no, he he actually won. Uh, he, he's 11th manager to win 2,000 games. And like I said, yeah, 2,000 of those wins. Uh, he had another 2,000 wins in San Francisco. So again, he's a winner. Uh, all throughout his career, pretty much, he's been winning. Uh, he's been on top of the manager managerial uh, outlook of things and good luck to the Giants for finding his replacement I, that's all I can tell you let's move on to the scores from the last dance aka the final bait of the baseball season we're going to start off with an interleague matchup between the Nationals and the Indians the Nationals got the win to end off the year 8-2 was the final here both teams finished the year at 93-69 and 69. from the Indians they get an RBI and two hits from their uh, shortstop Francisco Lindor and for the Nationals they got big help from their outfielder who was serving as a pinch hitter uh, Gerardo Pata, who he had two hits and three RBIs. Second baseman Brian Dozier and designated hitter Kurt Suzuki would also hit two RBIs between the both of them as well. And pitcher Joe Ross would end up getting the win, going for six innings, giving up four hits, but one on a run. He also had eight strikeouts as well. Up next, the Rangers were able, to, the Rangers, excuse me, were able to uh, finish their season off with a win. Uh, this time against the Yankees, six to one was the final score. The Rangers would end the season at 78 and. 54 and the Yankees will end up with one of the better records in baseball at 103 and 59. For the Yankees, they got a they got an RBI from their right fielder Aaron Judge, and for the Rangers, they got a two-run home run from Ronald Guzman and a uh, sorry a uh, RBI from their left fielder Willie Calhoun and also their right fielder Danny Santana. The pitcher Lance Lynn will get the 
the starting pitcher, Lance Lynn, will get the win here, going for seven innings, just giving up two hits and one on run. He also had 10 strikeouts as well. Moving on to the NL East, the Marlins will finish their season with a win, this time 4-3 against the Phillies. Up next, the Reds will get another win to close the season out against their dreaded rival, the Pirates, 3-1. The, the Dodgers also beat their rivals on the last day of the year, uh, beating the Giants 9-0. to zip. The Red Sox get a win against the Orioles 5-4. to the Blue Jays get a win against the Tampa Bay Rays, 8-3. The Astros get a win against the Angels, 8-5, to finish off their strong year. The Chicago White Sox end the year with a win against the Lowly Tigers, 5-3. The uh, the Mariners pull off a little bit of a shocker against the A's in the year, 3-1 was the final score. The Diamondbacks beat the Padres, 1-zip. We also got the Mets here. Finishing the season strong despite not missing, uh, despite not making the playoffs, they they were able to beat the divisional champs, the Braves, seven to six yesterday, uh, with the final score of seven to six. The Braves would finish the year ninety-seven and sixty-five, waiting uh, for the divisional series to start. And the Mets, like I said, they did miss the playoffs, but they finished with a decent record, eighty-six and seventy-six. Uh, for the Braves, they got a good game from their their third baseman, Adeni Echevarria, who had three hits and three yards. RBIs. Outfielder Rafael Ortega also had two hits and two RBIs. Left fielder uh, Adam Duvall would also drive in a run as well. Pitcher Mike Soroka will go for five innings, uh, giving up seven hits and three earned run, uh, and also seven strikeouts. And the bullpen just could not uh, keep the lead. They could not keep the game intact. Uh, they would go. They would finish off the game uh, going for four innings, uh, giving up uh, eight hits and three earned runs. So again, uh, just giving up the lead. The Braves, they couldn't hold on to this one. Uh, the, the Mets get a get a really good one to end off the year. Uh, for the Mets, they were helped out by third baseman Jonathan Davis, who had two hits and two RBIs. First baseman Dominic Smith had a three-run uh, three home run. And uh, for the pitching staff, Noah Syndergaard would get the start, going for seven innings, only giving up uh, five hits, three-run runs. He also had nine strikeouts. And the bullpen was able, was able to hold on to whatever lead they could get, uh, going for two innings, giving up six hits, they also gave up three runs, uh, but just not enough to lose the game. Uh, but they also have four strikeouts as well. And uh, let's move on. The final two games of the year, we got the Royals getting a, stealing a win from the Twins 5-4. And the Cardinals blanking the Cubs. Maybe that might be one of the reasons why Joe Madden is no longer there. Nine to zip to finish the year. Uh, of course, we already know about the Cardinals holding on to that, play, that uh, divisional crown. Of course, that leaves the Brewers going to the wild card, which leads me to my wild card matchups. Of course, uh, the playoffs start tomorrow with the Braves taking on the Nationals in the National League wild card game. Of course, the Brewers finished the year 89 and 73. The Nationals, I just mentioned them not so long ago, they finished the year 93 and 69. They will take. They will be both facing off in a one-game playoff tomorrow night. Um, this will be a close one to call. I like the Nationals in this one in a one-game series. I think they're gonna pro they're gonna pretty much go in there with uh, with Scherzer, uh, one of their better pitchers there. Nick Scherzer, one of the, actually their best players uh, in that squad, at least in that pitching rotation. I, I say they go in there with Scherzer, uh, have an easy game in my opinion. Uh, the Brewers rely a lot on hitting, but I don't think they have the bullpen 
or the depth at the pitching. Yeah, like again, they don't have the depth in the bullpen uh, to take the to take the Nationals out in a one game series. Of course, uh, the Nationals have Anthony Rendon. They got Brian Dozier who can hit pretty well as well. Juan Soto, he does not get a whole lot of plug, a whole lot, but again, he's hitting the ball a ton the past couple of weeks uh, for the Nationals. And again, the Brewers, uh, they have some question marks. So in this one, I'm going to go with the Nationals. I see them winning by at least one or two runs, uh, maybe by a score of uh, why not seven to four, um, maybe six to three, something like that. But I see the Nationals pulling out with this one. Uh, they have they're going to be coming through with a beast on the mound and Nick Scherzer. I do not see him uh, losing a game, a one-series game with so much on the line. We're going to move on to Wednesday uh, where my favorite team, the Oakland A's, they'll be taking on the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, the A's finished the season at 97-65 and 65 with a loss, of course, to the Mariners. The, Ma- uh, the Rays also lost their last game of the season uh, to uh, the... Mm, the Blue Jays. Uh, so both teams come into this game with a loss, uh, but of course they pretty much remained hot in general throughout the last part of the season. This one is going to be a little bit harder. Uh, I like both squads in terms of pitching. I believe the Rays will be going with Charlie Morton. That will be their starting pitcher to go on the mound. The A's have not made a decision yet on who are they who they are going to start. But again, I believe whether it's Tanner Wark or maybe it's Homer Bailey or even Sean Manaya, uh, I definitely like the A's chances. I've already talked to you guys about them. They are my sleeper pick. If they're able to get past this game with the Rays right here, I think they can cause some trouble Again, they've played some very interesting games with the Astros. Uh, So if we get past the Rays, that will be who we are playing in that ALDS, the AL Divisional Series, the American League Divisional Series. So the very, technically you can call it the first round of the playoffs, uh, the Divisional round of the playoffs. Uh, So again, if the A's can get past Tampa Bay, I think they are a definite sleeper. Again, people don't talk too much about that hitting, uh, that hitting staff with Matt Chapman, uh, so and Marcus Simeon. They get RBIs, they get timely RBIs. They can hit for power as well. Chris Davis has been a little bit, has had a little bit of a power slump, but again, he could definitely pick it up in the playoffs. Uh, again, they have a lot of experience going up against the Astros. So again, and we've had some very, uh, very. Uh, close and interesting games with them especially near the last part of the season so i would like to see us in another series with the astros i would love to see that and i think you know definitely if we are able to get past the rays which i think we can you got you got a real you got a real upset waiting to happen with oakland i'm just i'm just letting y'all know i'm not talking as a as a biased home fan or anything like that if you watch this if you watch the games you'll know you'll know the a's are no joke but I'm gonna take a. I'm gonna call the raffle tonight, y'all. Um, I will be back either tomorrow or Wednesday. Uh, I'll try to come back tomorrow. Uh, I got some word on the street stuff to go over with you guys. I got a couple uh some projects I'm working on as well. Part six of my Golden State issue, aka the history of California immigration, is on the way. I'm doing some finishing touches with that. I also got another top ten list. I got my worst Republican slash conservative ran states in the nation that I'll be going over uh, sometime this week as well. And of course, I'll be filling you guys in with the world on the street. I'll be filling you guys in, of course, on what's going on in Washington and Mr. Trump and all that that impeachment drama. Yeah. We're going to be talking about that as well. So I'm going to call the raffle tonight. If anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out. One love. You already know how to get at me. Instagram, L Jamal Johnny. 
E-L-J-A-M-A-H-A-D-J-A-N-I. Facebook, Eljamal Johnny. E-L-J-A-M-A-H-A-D-J-A-N-I. You know what it is. Never out of bounds. This is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got the facts. Peace out. One love. And I'll holla at y'all later.